touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey there and welcome to Tech Stuff. I'm Jonathan Strickland and today I have a special treat for me and for you. I have kidnapped one of the other podcast teams here at How Stuff Works. Not just a host, an entire team, stuff they don't want you to know, represent. Yay, yay. All right, and that's Matt. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm Ben. Uh, as always, thanks for having us. Uh, listeners uh, probably recall that both Matt and I have appeared in different episodes in the past. That is correct. Uh, different episodes of Tech Stuff. Some of the same episodes of stuff they don't want you to know, though. Yes, yes, there is a little bit of overlap for that. <laughs> but uh we were super excited to hear about today's topic because it's been something that Matt and I have been talking about off air. Is that correct? Absolutely. This kind of technology that we're going to get into a little later, uh it piques our interest, you could say. Yeah, f- mine as well. Uh You know, the stuff they don't want you to know show is great show. If you guys haven't checked it out, you need to go and and check it out. Check check out how you guys are looking into various types of conspiracies, things that are happening below the surface level that people may not be aware of, and kind of sifting through the information to show which parts of it are, you know, are really solid. You know, these are the things that we know for sure. And here's the conjecture that's been said about it. You guys do a great job with it. And as it turns out, there's a lot of stuff out there that can really fuel that kind of kind of talk Mm -hmm. for good reason. And I typically am one of those more, you know, I am a little more conservative and skeptical with my approach to these things. But this is a technology we're going to talk about today that I don't know how you could go to it being skeptical and say, oh, everything is fine. <laughs> we are talking about Stingray or IMSI catchers. And so Stingray is the one that uh, I think most people have heard about. That's the one that was brought up in a lawsuit in Arizona. Um, so I think that that is what most people think about when they hear IMSI catchers, if they are aware of that term at all. Mm-hmm. But, of course, Sting- Stingray is just one version of that. And we'll talk about some of the other ones as well. So IMSI catchers stands for International Mobile Subscriber Identity Catchers or Locators. And that is a fancy way of saying this is a technology that is able to intercept signals from cell phones ostensibly so that uh, a law enforcement official could locate a person based upon that person's cell phone signaling. Mm-hmm. And it does this, and we'll talk about specifics in a bit, by mimicking a cell phone tower. So in other words, your cell phone is communicating with this device, thinking that this is the actual part of the infrastructure that it would normally operate inside. Yeah, yeah, sort of the same way that, or similar at least, to uh, the ways in which some animals have evolved to have camouflage that makes them appear to be a different type of creature, right? Yeah, And uh, one thing that I just want to get this out so I don't uh, moan and complain about it for the whole episode. If you ever lost a cell phone or had one stolen and had the sneaking suspicion that uh, there might be a way for law enforcement to catch it. Well, theoretically, there is. It's just it's just they can't do that for everybody because so many people lose their cell phones or have them stolen, you know, as long as it's turned on. Right. Right. Yeah. And as long as well, and it also depends on a couple of other things, too. Right. They have to have the if they're looking for your cell phone specifically, they kind of need to know a little bit more information. Like they need to know something specific about that phone in order to identify it versus all the other phones that will connect to it. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, Because otherwise they just be like, well, it may be one of the phones here. And there are different ways of looking into that, right? It all depends on what the investigation is, and we'll we'll talk more about how it's used in investigations. So basically, this is a technology meant to help, again, ostensibly, law enforcement (laughs) track down 
the bad guys or counterterrorism officials to identify potential terrorist threats before they become a reality. Mm-hmm. That's what it's supposed to be used for. There are a lot of people who have objected to it because it is it is taking a very wide approach to targeting something very specific, and that can be dangerous. Uh, for the Stingray itself, it costs between $68,000 and $135,000. Last I checked, mm-hmm. this because there are two different models of the Stingray. There's the Stingray and Stingray 2. Stingray 2 came out a few years ago. Uh, the Stingray obviously came out before that because... We move in a chronological order. <laughs> they they haven't gotten to that quantum effect where the sequel comes out before the original. Um, now, it's made by a company called Harris Corporation out of Melbourne, Florida. And, uh, and this company makes a lot of technology that falls into this general category. Hmm. Some of the products that they make are similar to Stingray and do similar things to that device. Others are more specific and are meant to be used in conjunction with a gadget like Stingray. Yeah, they're peripherals. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, it's like a console, you know, like you got your Connect, you got your, you know, your your dance pad, you've got all these other things. Sort of the similar uh thing here except the devices that Harris Corporation makes some of them boost the signal catching ability of the basic uh technology like the Stingray. Some of them uh allow for better tracking technology. Mm-hmm. It all depends on the, the thing. But, but you know, you may have heard some of the other names. Some of the other names include uh, Triggerfish, Kingfish, Amberjack, Gossamer, Harpoon, and Hailstorm. Uh, and not only these are not types of Stingray. These are all individual devices that work in a similar way to Stingray. Some of them copy the functionality of Stingray. Some of them go beyond that. In fact, um, Triggerfish is particularly troubling. Hmm. Um, but uh, Stingray itself can be really tr- troubling, too, if you just do a simple upgrade to it. Mm-hmm. At any rate, the, all of these have things in common in that they all are meant to detect cell phone usage in some way and either identify it or locate it and or track it. Um, and it's how you use these in com- combination with one another that de- determines your ability to do that. Now, clearly, we're talking about something that's mimicking a cell phone tower. Mm-hmm. You have to have it be mobile mm-hmm. because otherwise you just have to hope that the bad guys happen to go across your part of town. You can't take it to them if it's not mobile, right? Right. So uh, one of the things that this is really – helpful for as far as law enforcement are concerned is that they can go to a a part of town where they suspect someone is. They can put out their ears, listen for it, look to see if they have any hits that relate back to the target they're specifically looking for. And if not, they can move on to a different part of town. Um, That's also one of the drawbacks, as it turns out, at least from from the perspective of some people. Now, uh, Let's see. One other thing. Oh, I forgot to mention Gossamer is one of the, the, the exceptions to this. Gossamer is not about tracking or locating cell phones. Yeah, but this is the one that freaks me out the most. Yeah, this is not passive. No, Gossamer is about denial of service attacks on a mobile phone. So it's about, it's essentially a jammer. Now, this is great for all the paranoid people in the audience. Are you getting bad reception or are you being Gossamered? Yeah. Oh. I actually and and another thing to to mention I didn't put it in our notes but one of the things these devices typically can do the stingray in particular can do this is it can boost your the signal coming from your phone to connect to the tower it can essentially say I need a stronger signal your phone then even though you're not using it like it's just in your pocket there's no vibrating there's no ringing there's nothing going on uh-huh. Your phone starts sending stronger signals. This drains your battery. So if you're the paranoid persuasion, you may also think, my phone's battery just won't even last like a full day anymore. And it might not be because your phone is old. It might be because you're getting, you're getting stingrayed. You guys, I'm not kidding. That's happening to me right now. <laughs> well, I'm sorry, Matt, but you, you should, 
take more care when you are browsing on your phone. Also, Matt, <laughs> Matt, I mean, not to make you worried or anything, but you're definitely on some lists. So no, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're on our list of favorite people. But yeah, that's there's probably, one right there. That's oh, a, well, that's thanks, guys. Yeah. Uh, so, but okay, so I love this idea about it being mobile. So if we take that paranoid example, yeah, uh, in. The vast majority, virtually every time somebody has poor reception or poor battery life, yeah. it is never going to be something like this. But there is a very small chance yeah. that if you are a victim of this, you could literally have someone following you around, right? Yeah. I mean, okay. To be fair, this technology we're talking about is at a level of expense where it's not likely to happen to you. If you are someone who is either hanging out with questionable people mm-hmm. or you yourself are engaged in some questionable activities, then you'd be more likely to have this actually target you. Yeah. Now, because we know that law enforcement agencies across the United States and in other parts of the world have used this kind of technology. They're the, they're the customers. They're mm-hmm. the ones that are purchasing this stuff from Harris Corporation. It's very possible you would come into contact with this. And it's not that you are being targeted, but you're still being affected. Yeah, because it's just so broad. Yeah, well, it's like it's mimicking a cell phone tower. Mm -hmm. It's not mimicking a cell phone tower for a single phone. It's mimicking a cell phone tower for the broadcast range of that device. And so, okay, so they're mobile, but what? What would they look like if you just saw one? So they look kind of like, uh, I mean, if you've ever seen one of those, uh, servers, like a, it looks like just a basic computer with lots of ports on it. It's kind of like that. It's usually a little bit, uh, uh, stumpy looking. Like it's not as wide as your typical server is. Mm-hmm. It's a little more narrow, a little tall, but it's meant to fit into racks because you can, you know, end up pairing these with other technologies. Uh, but it's essentially a computer. And you hook it up to a laptop. So you've got really the basic parts you have are the antenna, which is important because obviously it has to receive signals sent from cell phones um, and a transmitter so that you can send stuff back through if you need to. You've got the uh, the the computer itself, which is processing the signals and identifying where those signals are coming from, both what type of phone it is by, you know, giving you the identification numbers of that phone, mm-hmm. uh, the phone number. That's associated with that phone and the location of that phone based upon some triangulation. You might actually have to physically move the, the technology around to get the triangulation. You could theoretically communicate with another cell phone tower and by get it comparing numbers, you, you know, you know, you can generally tell the direction from which the signal comes mm-hmm. and its strength. That gives you an idea of its its general location in that, like, you know, roughly what distance it is from your your base station. So it was one of those things where if the signal gets stronger, it's closer to you. Yes. The Stingray yeah. device. Right. And if it's if it's if the signal, if the cell phone signal is getting weaker, then you know that the target cell phone is moving away. Uh, if you were to move the van to a second location and do those measurements, then because you have the two points on a on one part of a triangle, the cell phone's the third point. Then you know where ah. the person is. It's the same way that uh, cell phone towers are able to give an approximation of where you are, even if your phone doesn't have GPS, right? It's sending the signals, and based upon the strength of the signal, how long it takes to get there, all of these sort of things, it can approximate where you are. Now, by, by approximate, I mean within a few... You know, meters. So it's not like as as uh, specific as GPS can be, mm-hmm. but it's still good enough for law enforcement to hone in on a on a particular location. And people consent to the use of GPS. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I uh, so there's a question that I'm sure a lot of people are wondering, right? Yeah. Which is this stuff sounds kind of space agey, but how how new is it? Not that new. Uh, the the. Information I found said that at least the Triggerfish version of this technology has been in use since the late 1990s, like 1997. What? Uh, yeah. And to keep, keep in mind, like this technology has been in some form of, of development or another and been available to different types of agencies, specifically the FBI would be a big one. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just that over the past few years, it has become more common for local law enforcement to get their hands on this. Before, it was something that only, you know, the federal 
uh, law enforcement officials were able to access. But now mm-hmm. we're seeing local law enforcement, uh, not everybody's owning up to it, but we're seeing a lot of local law enforcement uh, offices adopt this technology. And they're doing it in kind of a kind of a backdoor shenanigans way, I would say. No. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, these things can be pretty expensive. And obviously right. law enforcement has a budget that they have to answer to. So some of them are funding the purchase of this material by filing it under counterterrorism uh, um, uh, strategies. Oh, federal funding. Yeah. Essentially, they say, we want to participate in this. You know, we want to make sure we help protect national security, doing it on a local level. Uh, and then they get the federal grant to purchase the this stuff. But then they're using it on a much broader scale. So it's not like they're not using it specifically for counterterrorism, they're using it in all sorts of cases. There was a story about a sheriff whose own vehicle got broken into and uh, and whose phone was stolen, who decided to use this stuff to try and ostensibly to try and stop the the string of car break ins. Some people would say that perhaps it was more personal than that. But the point being that this was not a counterterrorism issue. This was, you know, someone breaking and entering into cars, which is, you know, that is, that's a crime. Sure. But you, people have been arguing like what, at what level of crime do you consider the use of this particular type of technology necessary to employ? Yeah, especially given the expense, not just in financial terms, but in terms of manpower or time. So, that's that's one problem, but it's it, my spider sense is telling me that you have a bigger problem. I've got with this. I've got so many problems with this. All right, so so let's let's talk about how it works first, okay. because this is this is what leads into where the biggest problems that okay. I have with the technology come from. So uh, to to understand how this works, you got to know how a cell phone works. Mm-hmm. All right, and, and we're going to be super high level here because I could do a full episode on how cell phones work, and you guys would be stabbing me because you're wondering why I pulled you in. <laughs> um, but typically, the, the easiest way of explaining it is cell phones broadcast over radio frequencies. And you have cell phone towers that represent a broadcast area. The towers are able to accept the incoming signals from a cell phone and outgoing signals that are going to cell phones within that um, service area. They're doing so over a specific frequency to the phone's your phone knows which frequency, quote unquote, knows which frequency mm-hmm. to be in because there's a master control system that's telling the phone, tune into this frequency so that you can receive and transmit information. Technically, you're using two frequencies so you can receive and transmit at the same time. Then as you leave one cell phone service area and you're starting to get closer to another, then you have to be handed off, right? Because mm-hmm. if if not... Once you move too far away from the base station, you would no longer have service. So this is similar to when you move into an area that doesn't have the towers that support the service you use. Mm-hmm. So if you're like an AT&T customer and you go into an area that's not supported by AT&T, then you're out of luck. Your phone becomes a brick, right? Or right. whatever's on your phone, that's all you can use. Mm-hmm. So you have to have this handoff technology for one tower to hand off the the service to another tower as you're moving between them. So what's happening is your phone is constantly sending little signals, even when it's not directly in use, to hmm. to say, here I am. It's essentially saying, I'm here. And Almost like pinging a server yeah, or something? Yeah, it's exactly like pinging a server. It's doing yeah. this about every 7 to 15 seconds. Oh. So this is why even if you don't use your phone the battery life gradually decreases. So the reason it does this is very important. Sure. Because if it didn't tell the cell phone towers, hey, here I am, you would never get texts or cell phone or you'd never get a call. Yeah. You couldn't. You just play solitaire or whatever. Yeah, because because <laughs> the, the system wouldn't know where your phone is, so it wouldn't be able to send the signal. Like it doesn't when someone dials your number, it doesn't magically <laughs> right. connect to your phone. The system has to be aware of where you are. And it so, has this constant game of Marco Polo to ensure that there's this seamless transition. Right, because you as a person, you are mobile, mm-hmm. so you can move from location to location. You are not always going to be next to the same cell phone tower all the time. So your phone has to constantly like every seven to 15 seconds, say, I'm here, because if you're in a car and you're traveling down the road, you're moving in and out of different 
you know, cell tower ranges. So the different cell towers have to be aware of where your phone is so that you can continue to receive messages, phone calls, that kind of stuff, or make them. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. The problem is that because of this technology, you know, this is what makes cell phones useful. But because of that same technology, it's also what makes this Stingray technology possible. So because your phone is sending out these messages and your phone doesn't know where the next cell phone tower is, it's broadcasting these little messages and the cell phone towers pick it up. Based upon the signal strength, the cell phone tower knows if you are moving toward it or moving away from it. Mm-hmm. The Stingray ends up mimicking the cell phone tower. So your little cell phone sends out a message and the Stingray picks it up. Stingray now knows where your phone is, or at least knows that your phone is in that area. As the signal gets stronger, the Stingray knows that your phone is getting closer to it. Mm-hmm. If you have triangulated this, then it knows where you are. Or if you have one of the other devices that pair with the Stingray that can help mm-hmm. track and locate, the Stingray knows where you are. There's a laptop that you would connect to this device that would give you the readout that would be useful for a human being, because right now we're talking all about technology that... And data that machines could use, but is not useful to us because we wouldn't be able to see it. But the laptop expresses that in ways that make it possible for you to see. Maybe with a mapping software, so Mm -hmm. it's plotting the location against a map, as well as identification of the the phone numbers um, and the the ID number that's uh, unique to that particular mobile phone. Mm -hmm. So... The issue here is that this this stingray will accept all of those incoming messages, it's all a those pings. Yeah, anything that's within the area that that mm-hmm. the sensitivity of that antenna, it will pick that up. So is it like is it just metadata? Well, con- yes. Originally, first it's just first of all. Just metadata. <laughs> just metadata. Oh, you me. saw where I was going. Because metadata, <laughs> you don't need very much of it to start making some very scary conclusions, right? Mm-hmm. You can start to really narrow down who a person is based upon some metadata. Their routines, what they do in the real world the, and when the, they do it. The phone numbers they might be mm-hmm. con- in contact with at that time. The phone number of the device itself, obviously, would be very sure. important. So let's say that you two... You two, yeah. Matt and Ben. Yeah. You are you are uh you are the cops. Okay. Okay. You're in your van. The power. All yeah, right. I know. All right. <laughs> Let's not go crazy. Do we have a tank? You do not have a tank. We have a van. We we're not okay. we're not in Swanee. <laughs> <laughs> was Swanee, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, I was yeah. thinking uh, Swanee, by the way, listeners, is uh is just to the northeast of Atlanta. It's a little part of Metro Atlanta area. Um and they have a tank. Yeah. So anyway, uh, you are in a van. Okay. Mm-hmm. You have heard about tanks, but you do not currently own one. Uh. You've got plenty of donuts to get you through the day. Uh, by the way, if you are in law enforcement and I am offending you, dear listeners, I'm merely poking fun. I love you guys. At any rate, so you guys are, are looking at the incoming messages that are, uh-huh. are being hit. We're on our laptop. You are looking specifically for a phone number associated with a suspect uh, a person of interest, you want to be able to track this person down, but so far have been unable to do so. You have heard that this person may in fact be in this particular part of town, which is why you have parked your van. And all you are doing is looking for a hit of that particular number as it moves through. And once you do, you then try to triangulate, you locate, and then you you're send people out there to talk to this mm-hmm. suspect or person of interest. Now that, that alone, that sounds like that's okay. I mean, there might be some problems we have here, but you're specifically looking for the hit. You're not looking at the massive amount of information that's coming in. You're looking for something specific. You're right? just kind of filtering. Yeah. Okay. We're like, just doing our job, Jonathan. Now, Matt, I know that. <laughs> I know that, dude. <laughs> I know, I know it's the pencil pushers who really are to blame. Don't, don't, don't bust my chops. Um, so, at any rate, uh, yeah, in this case, you are specifically looking for a particular phone number. It's a little more sure. tricky if you don't know the number, though, right? Yeah. Like, now you're looking for patterns. Now you're looking specifically for activities that match what you suspect your target is already mm-hmm. doing. You're also possibly looking to 
find out what phone numbers are being used in an area. Now, this is where it really gets tricky because some of these devices, not all of them, but the Stingray and the Triggerfish included, both can tell you if someone makes a call from within that area that the Stingray covers, you can see what number they called. Mm, now, okay. now, at least with a basic Stingray, you can't listen in on the call. You just know the time, the uh, number, and the duration of the call. Hold on. Wait. It sounds like we're getting to a point where we can listen to these calls. The basic Stingray. Yeah. Okay, so... Remember when I said you can upgrade? So Stingray is, it's a computer, is what it boils down to. I mean, it's more than a computer, but it has elements of a computer. It runs software. There is software that you can install on the Stingray that does allow you to listen in. Uh, there is Fishhawk, which is software that allows you to eavesdrop upon conversations. And there's also Porpoise. You might have noticed a theme I was going to ask you about that. Well, they're in Florida. <laughs> you know. I guess that makes sense. Uh, but anyway, so the uh, porpoise lo- allows you to uh, see texts that are sent. Oh, wow. Through here. So it's again, it's messages or phone calls that are sent from the phone out okay. through the the uh, stingray that go on. Now, this obviously raises a lot of very tricky questions, particularly Mm -hmm. when it comes to basic rights. Because if you are just taking in everything and you can potentially read all the text messages or listen in on any of the conversations that are going through, then remember, this is just based on geography. Yeah. You know, you're not targeting... You're getting everything. There's no probable yeah. cause. There's for no a probable cause. There's no warrant. So yeah. back so, back in our scenario, Ben and I in our readout. Well, yeah. let's, okay, I'm driving. So Ben, you're you're oh, checking cool. out all, all right. stuff. Yeah. So you're the um, wheel man. Got yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> so you can see Ben will be able to see all of this on a readout. Hey Matt, look, hey, look at this number. It's been going uh, back and forth from these two cell phone towers every friggin' Thursday. Yeah, <laughs> or it could be Ben saying, "Hey Matt, look, uh, this doofus over here thinks his girlfriend's gonna make him uh, dinner tonight, and we already know she ain't gonna do that, right, buddy?" Hey, you guys yeah. are so getting pulled great. over later after yeah. this comes out. That was a great see, voice. I'm not gonna get pulled over. I don't drive, <laughs> so true. I'll just be stopped on the street. Oh. Uh, funny until it happened. All right. So at any rate, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, technically, if you have the right technology, mm-hmm. right being the, the appropriate one for this, uh, and you have the correct software on it, then you could be, you could start filtering through. You could potentially read anything that's coming through that, that Stingray device. So again, it would be any phone that was within that range of the antenna. Um, you wouldn't necessarily – I mean, you probably wouldn't be storing it all. I mean, you could if you had a large enough hard drive. That would be another thing you would need to have right. in, your, in your array of uh, technology. And that would be a lot of junk data piling up very quickly. Oh, yeah. yeah. And and so this is starting to sound probably very similar to the discussions we've had about the NSA. Mm-hmm. You know, the fact mm-hmm. that they have been collecting cell phone data at the, the – they're doing it at the provider level, right? Mm-hmm. Like they're, they're, they've got their ears on this national or even global level, whereas we're really talking about very regional uh, effects here. Yes. It's still very yeah. concerning. Right? So how much, how much information can it actually capture? Um, well, you know, it's here. All right. Here's the tr- thing. We don't know <laughs> the full extent of what it can capture because Secrets have to be kept for your safety. Oh. From the the creators of Stingray or from the police departments and the law enforcement? I'm just going to say yes. Okay. From both. So there was a story recently. I think it was – I want to say it was Santa Clara, California, but I could be wrong. It was a, it was a town in California, however, that recently declined to purchase from Harris Corporation because they said – there were agreements that they would have been forced to enter into that would prevent them from re- releasing any information about the product, even in the 
face of a Freedom of Information Act request. Wow. So an ironclad uh, NDA. Then. Yes. Okay. Uh, like a non-disclosure agreement to trump all non-disclosure yeah, agreements. How the heck do you get around FOIA? You mostly mm. just drag your heels as long as possible and hope that the judge that ends up hearing any case about mm-hmm. it is not savvy enough to understand the implications of this technology. You can appeal for national security, I think, right? Yeah. That's one reason. That, well, that's essentially what they say is that if we were to tell you what the capabilities of this technology were, then the bad guys would be able to work around it, thus making the technology useless. And we'd only be getting your boring text messages instead <laughs> of the bad guy stuff. Jeez. Well, it's a, I, okay, just to play the advocate here, that kind of reasoning, which is incredibly slippery and dangerous, it, it does make sense if you think again about uh, the ostensible purpose, right? The, the idea that this stuff could be rendered useless if it wasn't a secret. But also, I'm just going to say, the word I'm going to say is convenient. Yeah. It's a convenient yeah. reason. Well, and it's, it's, yeah, when you have like a rubber stamp that says mm-hmm. secret, then how do you have oversight? How can you make certain that the uh, figures that have been put into authority positions in order to help the citizens, mm-hmm. how can you make sure that they are doing that, that duty that they've been, they've been tasked with as opposed to abusing it or misusing it? Maybe not even abusing it on purpose, but perhaps through you know, no, no mal- maliciousness sure. have been using it incorrectly. Uh, and there have been arguments that judges have allowed this kind of technology to be used because the explanations they were given about what the technology did hmm. were purposefully vague and limited so that they would not know the full extent of what this technology does. So oh. in other words, Here's where we're going to kind of transition into more of the policy stuff, because, you know, that's really why I got you guys to come on here. The technology we've kind of covered, mm-hmm. you know, the very basic idea is that it's a man in the middle kind of attack. The The reason why I brought you on here is because this is my own personal perspective, my own opinion. Okay. But my opinion is that this technology is dangerously close, if not identical, to the concept of issuing a general warrant, which is precisely what the Fourth Amendment was supposed to protect us from. So the idea being that here in the United States, okay. now, by the way, this technology is being used in other places. In fact, one of the reasons that I brought it up is because recently Sky News was reporting about how it's being used in the UK. Uh, it had been thought to have been used in the UK for a while, but now there's kind of essentially ironclad evidence that, yes, it's being used in the it's UK. Proven, huh? Yeah, so... The reason why, uh, uh, you know, I, I brought you guys in is this, this idea of one of the founding principles of the United States of America was that the colonists didn't, they weren't so crazy about the British coming up and going into every single house mm-hmm. looking for a specific person mm-hmm. with no reason to suspect that the, the person of interest was actually in the houses they were stopping. It was just a general blanket search, right? So, Search and seizure, the idea being that uh, we're looking for this person, this person is is bad, and so you have no rights until we find this person. So we're going to go into your house and turn it upside down looking for this person. If they're not there, too, well, okay, well, good for you, too bad for us, we're going to go do it to the next family. Ah, uh, yeah. So this approach of using a device to pull in all incoming data even if you're looking for a really bad person, you're getting everything. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't seem that different to me <laughs> than the approach of there's this bad person out there. We're going to go through everybody's house until we find that person. So for me, there are a couple of things you have to establish. One of them is, does that data that you're sending out belong to you? Is it really yours? Mm-hmm. Uh, or, you know, is it the companies that you're using just to ostensibly send the information to a cell tower to another person. Right. Um, and then, for me, if you look at things like when the Boston bombing occurred mm-hmm. and then the search for the Sarnev brothers afterwards and when the police were going through and essentially doing what you're saying, searching through houses. Yeah. With just uh, it's not really a general warrant, but something kind of similar to that where... Yeah, I mean, they didn't have a, they didn't have a, a warrant for each specific house they went through. Right. Which... 
They're supposed to. If, if, I mean, your rights as a citizen are supposed to say, listen, if you don't have a warrant, you cannot come into my house. That is a constitutional right guaranteed to me. Yeah. It's the old, uh, the old ticking time bomb reasoning, which I find fairly disingenuous. Uh, when the, the idea, we heard it before with the idea of using torture to obtain some sort of confession or insider information where people would say, well, Torture is not ordinarily allowed, but if there is a bomb that is going to go off in a set amount of time and we have one person who knows the information in custody, then shouldn't we torture somebody to save 100 people or whatever the number is? And this what what's similar to me about this is that this encounters um, so many ways to bend rules that are that exist for a reason. Yeah. As you said, and it doesn't really provide a way to bend those rules back to their original shape. I mean, Jonathan, I can think of already uh, several scenarios wherein this could get sticky very quickly. Matt, I love that you mentioned uh, it might not be the person actually using the phone, right? It might be someone else uh, took a phone, right? Yeah. And used it as a burner. But the person, the innocent person whose name is... Uh, tied to that number, that ID, Mm -hmm. they're going to be uh, automatically suspect number one or maybe even public enemy number one. Another question is, what if what if this search? Right. So let's go back in. Um, Matt, you and I are still cops. Jonathan, you're FBI. Okay, you're a special investigator. All right. right? Uh, You came in. You said, I'm taking over this investigation. I got a little flip phone because I'm from the later seasons of X-Files. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Right. Black suit, black tie, whole thing. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, you say that we are looking for, you know, insert bad guy's name here. Mm -hmm. Uh, And while we're looking, though, however, uh, there are our search, our vacuum cleaner approach brings in another number that pings on your radar because you were already suspicious of one person doing, you know, a federal level crime, Mm -hmm. right? So this person who we were not looking for just showed up. What happens then? Uh, Well, I mean, obviously I got to take over the investigation. (laughs) I've seen a lot of episodes of various crime dramas and that's what the, that's the only thing the FBI is around to do is to push the local police force out of, you know, this was my case. Yeah. I yeah. mean, that's the way it goes. Well, you have to keep putting your sunglasses on yeah. and taking them and off. And occasionally <laughs> you just hear the who. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, um, well, I, I've got a scenario kind of okay. like that. But, okay. Uh, unless, Jonathan, do you want to no, no. answer? No, no. I, I, the, the only answer to th- that I have is that I would imagine that at least until there are some strong precedents set in, in court. Mm-hmm about the actual use of this technology, what it really can do, and whether or not it truly is constitutional to use it in the way that it's being used, I would imagine at least until that happens, the FBI acts on that act on that information. Because if there if no one has come out and said you can't do that, right. they're going to do that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and I don't mean to cast aspersions on law enforcement and the FBI I realize that they have incredibly difficult and very high stakes jobs. Absolutely. Right. And and in order for them to be able to do those jobs in an increasingly complex technological world, there are some very tough questions we have to answer. But the problem I have is that these are questions that that seem to already have been answered in the past. We just haven't applied the answer yet mm-hmm. or people, judges in particular, haven't understood the implications of this technology and that we're seeing some civil liberties fade away as a result or get less, you know, like like it's like you are protected against this, except in all of these other newer situations many of which we cannot legally tell you about because national security right because if we told you about how we're violating your civil liberties then the bad guys would win uh, like well technically if you're telling me that my civil liberties are being violated but you can't tell me how the bad guys have one yeah it's it's an interesting dilemma and it's one that we keep running into and this is not the first time i love that you mentioned there's precedent through about this Throughout history, I mean, back when it was just the post office, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, there, were, there were still these ongoing debates about what kind of right to privacy should someone expect when they're using the postal system. But uh, you also mentioned 
advocacy groups. Uh, yeah. So is there some organized opposition to this? There's quite a, quite a lot. There's a lot of disorganized opposition, too. But the organized opposition includes, uh, like the Electronic Frontier Foundation, the EFF, EFF. Mm-hmm. uh, there's the American Civil Liberties Union, the ACLU, mm-hmm. uh, there's EPIC. There, there are all these different groups that are all about privacy and civil rights that have identified problem areas with this technology, some of which have been, they've kind of, some of them have couched their arguments largely because they say we can't come out and say how strongly strongly we feel about this because of the secrecy involved mm-hmm. without knowing everything we we don't want to suspect the worst but we can't discount it either because you won't tell us what it does or how it's being used um you know but there there are a lot who are saying you need to ha- have rules set in place on how this technology can be used if in fact it is legal to use it at all mm-hmm. so for example perhaps before you use this you have to secure a warrant that specifies who you are looking for and and narrows that down to a point where you can't just throw out a net and everybody who's caught in the net their lives are turned upside down for the duration of you sorting out which person is the one you actually are interested in. But they'll never know, Jonathan. The collateral damage isn't really collateral if they have no idea. Well, they might not ever know. And, you know, you could argue that in a world where you never know that this is happening and it's never affecting you. You mean like this one? <laughs> Stick with me. Okay. If you're in a world where you you don't know that it's happening to you and it's not having any noticeable effect on your life, ultimately, you might be able to go to sleep at night and think, well, it doesn't really matter. Because if it is not affecting my life, mm-hmm. then, I mean, I don't want it to happen and I'm still going to protest it happening because I don't think it's right. But if it doesn't have a noticeable effect on my life... At the end of the day, when I draw my last breath, it hasn't really made a difference. Who cares? But we might also live in a world where sometimes it does affect us, even if we are perfectly innocent in in the eyes of the law. Let's just throw out some examples of the NSA, for for instance, like a person who decides to use the NSA's wide array of of surveillance techniques to look in on an ex-girlfriend. That's exactly the scenario I was going to bring up. If you and I, back in our scenario, okay, I decide to go back and use the machine for a little bit because we parked to get some coffee or something. Right. And I see an, uh, a number that I recognize pop up. Yeah. And I'm just like, ooh, what is my ex-wife's new husband talking about? Oh, and then blah, 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 blah. There you go. Down the rabbit hole into weird personal things and, that then and, get yeah. into And it. this is the thing. It's, it's, you know, the technology allows that to happen mm-hmm. and humans being human are going to do it right like it's it's not a question of whether the technology itself is good or bad because it's a tool uh, you might say is it a tool that is appropriate is there any is there are there appropriate use cases for this tool and if so how are they defined i think that's the important step yeah. we have to come to the conclusion of does this tool make sense if so, in which contexts does it make sense? And how can we be certain that in any given use case, it fits those contexts? Yeah. And if it, if we can answer all those to our satisfaction, fine. Yeah. I question whether that's possible well, with I, this particular technology. Yeah. But, but the problem is that people, they'll behave outside of that, right? I yeah. mean, if there is the capability of someone to do this, you know, use this technology in a selfish possibly harmful way for uh then someone will do it. It's not mm-hmm. a question of if, it's a question of when and how frequently. And uh cuz we've seen it with the NSA. Sure. It's again, you, know, you you have to remember that at the end of the day, there are real human beings in charge of using this technology. Mm-hmm. And real human beings have real motivations that happen every single day of their lives just like you and me. We we go through our lives and we realize, oh, man, if only I knew what was going on in that person's head. Oh, wait, I could figure it out because I've got access to this technology. Mm-hmm. It happens, right? So it does. Uh, one thing immediately that we could say that might be a glimmer of hope with this is that 
many of the surveillance technologies or proprietary systems rather do have strict usage logs where wherein you know any user with an ID is yeah. tracked so uh Lieutenant Frederick would be pinged up for they would say hey uh Lieutenant why were you running I'm still a private by the way <laughs> Oh Wait. Uh, uh, private in the police force? Yeah, yeah. Have you militarized the entire police force? Yes. Okay. We're several years <laughs> in the future. He's not a rookie. He's a private. Okay. All right. Well, anyhow, uh, whatever your position would be, you know, there would be somebody over you, ideally, who would say, hey, we noticed that you were searching this number, which is not part of it, and you went pretty in depth. Yeah. So, so that's one thing. But then again, it relies, as you said, on the policy, on the system. I'd like to take the danger even further, because one of the most dangerous potential things about the NSA program and possibly Stingray and its other accoutrement is the idea that this could be used by corrupt people with access to the technology to do things like smear campaigns, sure. to do blackmail or even extortion. And the most frightening thing to me, um, although it is, it is offensive, the idea that an innocent person's uh, terrible late night you up text messages might be collected and saved for posterity. It's more frightening that this could be used to uh, curtail people who were fighting against it. Sure. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's there's that possibility as well. I mean, granted, this would a lot of that responsibility falls on the Harris Corporation and how they deal with the, yeah. the orders. I imagine that they mostly, I mean, before they were really working with the FBI and some military mm-hmm. uh, companies or mm-hmm. military organizations, I should say. Um, and it was only relatively recently in the last maybe five to ten years that they started really working with the local law enforcement uh, uh, agencies. Hmm. Um, I don't know what their other customers are like or who they are. I see. Yeah. But uh, you could presumably, I mean, even if, even if it's not made by Harris Corporation, because it's out there and because people know about it, then that's enough for someone to say, Hey, let's pour some money into making one of these of our own so we can spy on people in the CIA or, Right. The CIA might say, let's use it so we can spy on people in other countries. I mean, it's definitely a, a difficult, difficult subject. It's tricky. Uh, I mean, obviously spying throughout history has all been about let's find out what they know without letting them know we know. <laughs> right. So <laughs> at some point you're like, well, if we if we assume that the the premise that spies are necessary is true, then these other technologies need to exist for us to be able to do that. Yeah, that's but true. maybe you maybe you would argue that spying is not something that should happen in well, the first place. Okay, this this is something that I know we really wanted your opinion on. Okay, for for a while. So have we? And we asked Alex Winter the the same question. He's mm-hmm. a filmmaker who made the Deep Web. Yes. Uh, have we reached a point of no return with technology? Has technology rendered the concept of individual privacy obsolete, or will it do so? Okay, well, this is super complicated, right? <laughs> yeah, sorry, uh, this is a different no, episode. Maybe. I mean, it's a great question. It's a great question. On the one hand, you have stuff like this. The technology specifically meant to intercept and perhaps even, uh, not just, not just intercept in the sense of finding out who is talking to whom, but what they are saying, mm-hmm. right? You've got that technology. That's one thing. And you could argue that as long as that technology exists, then privacy might only be an illusion. It might be something you believe you have, but in reality, your information is being uh, collected somewhere. And of course we know that anything we post or call or text through or whatever, it's going through an infrastructure. Mm-hmm. So there is at least one entity out there that has the access to it. The question is whether anyone is looking at it or if it's just, if it's just a conduit, right? Mm-hmm. So you could argue that privacy is just an illusion in that case. There's another argument to make that has nothing to do with surveillance. Facebook. Twitter. We are we are voluntarily sharing more and more of our lives. Instagram, P- 
Pinterest. Really anything you can think of where you are allowed a platform, people are taking advantage of it. YouTube, another great example. Mm-hmm. Periscope. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so you're, you're, you're volunteering to share a lot more information and you don't necessarily think while you're doing it, this could potentially put other things in my life at risk of becoming public knowledge. Yeah. Whether it's because you're not paying enough attention or you just don't realize how much information you are revealing every time you post something. Um, so you could argue in that case, privacy might also be an illusion, not because there are all these ways of staring at what's really going on, but because we're actually giving everything away and we're just not aware of it. We're not aware of the consequences of what we, our own actions happen to be. Hmm. Um, I would argue we haven't gone too far in the sense that we could, if motivated to do so and given the authority to do so, reverse a lot of the things that have been happening. The question of whether that's a reality or not? I mean, that's kind of like the pie in the sky optimistic idealism, the idea that people could actually be motivated to take action specifically through voting and through campaigning and through bringing things to attention and getting the word out there and getting people behind the argument, hey, we need to address this and we need to have it addressed to our satisfaction, not just it's secret, you can't know. Mm -hmm. I think it's possible. I think it would be really hard. And I don't, even though I think it's possible, I don't think it's the plausible outcome, if I'm being perfectly honest. Um, It would require enormous changes in momentum among vast, huge entities out there that are bigger than any one person is. So even if you, let's say that you have an ideal candidate for president of the United States in mind, someone that you truly believe has the best interests of the citizens at heart and wants to protect constitutional rights. So they want to do right by the citizens and make sure that the things they do truly do protect them and do so in a way that follows the rules. Even if that person exists and is put into the position of president, you still have everything else. Ah, yes. That it, like, from the local level to NSA to, mm-hmm. you know, organizations that do not directly answer to the president. It's not like the president is capable of changing everything by flicking a wand. In fact, they're not supposed to be able to do that. That's <laughs> yeah, why they have the position of president. Pretty dangerous. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, this is why until I become benevolent dictator, we're going to have these problems. Yeah. You know, you've uh, <laughs> you've been saying that more and more often. I, I appreciate the posters that you've put up around the office uh they're yeah. they're a little bit stark i i don't know i you know i think they might be a bit too soviet uh, yeah yeah i mean it would help if they were in english but there's yeah. a lot of like crush this thing beneath the boot i just like i thought the fist looked really like empowering and now i oh it does man no it yeah. does it, it does. does look good yeah it does the look good. style is nice you're both on a list now <laughs> All right. So, uh, at any rate, no, but this is, this was a reason I wanted you guys on here is because I know you guys, I, mean, I assume you feel similarly to, to what I've stated. But I mean, if there's, if I have in any way misconstrued, I would, uh, I definitely want you to have the opportunity to address it. Well, I, I will let Ben finish this idea that I'm going to start. But when we spoke with Mr. Winter, he had a surprisingly positive outlook. Really? On the future of privacy. That's wonderful. He did. He, the people that he's been speaking with and communicating with in his research on the subject of the deep web, he's finding that there are a lot of people who are really focused on encrypting data mm-hmm. and finding ways to encrypt almost all communication that is done from a, a private person's level. Right. So that a company that is even handling your data won't be able to decrypt it. Right. So in other words, the, the, the company that handles it, it literally is just the conduit. It cannot, yes. it cannot see the content. At most, it'll see where it's coming from and where it's going, but beyond that, not what the actual information is. Mm-hmm. He used the phrase, uh, one phrase I remember that he used was a renaissance yeah. of privacy, which I, which I found 
inspiring because the the old argument of well if you have nothing to worry about why are you worried about hiding right it it, it's kind of silly when you consider that we do live in a world now where uh let's say jonathan let's say that you as an fbi agent love the part of town we're in so much you said you know what guys i'm gonna pull up my 10 stakes from langley and i'm I'm gonna come down here Mm -hmm. and i am gonna i'm gonna live here and a matter of fact i'm gonna run for city commissioner, because I think uh, this kind of stuff needs to be dealt with in a public eye. And then all of a sudden, all of the stuff, every time you had used your phone in that region, got leaked by somebody. Yeah. Or maybe you're running for sheriff. And again, right. Because we do know that the sheriffs, uh, at least in DeKalb County, once played, yeah. a, played a corrupt game here. Yeah. Well, or or even just something that, like, you know, a mistake that you make. At some point. Sure. And it may be, it may be one that you, you know, it could be that you, something you consciously did or not even a conscious mistake, something that due to your actions has accidentally happened and that you have already taken care of it. You have fixed whatever problems Mm -hmm. there are, whatever the nature of that thing is. You have, you know, you've done your time, however that, that might be. For something like that to come, like, let's say that you do want to run for a local a local position and it has no bearing whatsoever on your ability to carry out your duties. Sure. We live in a world now where that stuff comes back. I mean, yeah. like big time comes back yeah. and none of us are saints, you know, no one, no one has gone through life completely unsullied. Even if you, you know, are, have the best of intentions, something has happened some point in your life. Maybe you were just in the wrong place at the wrong time, but that can be bad enough. Yeah, that's true. I, I, I do want to say, um, I, I really enjoy, I always enjoy being on this show and, and, um, I don't want to speak for you, Matt, but I'm, I'm grateful. No, Matt hates it. Yeah. I'm grateful that we <laughs> this got this horrible for me. <laughs> <laughs> you guys, you'd be so impressed by Matt's ability to silently weep. Well, we're making him sit in this room. He has but, a salty, salty beard. But the only thing I would add to what we were saying is that I love that we were talking about how we are not casting aspersion on the individuals working in law enforcement, which right. is so often a an incredibly thankless job, a fatally at times thankless job. Yeah. And when you're when you are uh, representing the good guys, right, the force of the force of crime prevention in our society, Mm -hmm. then the thing is that the game you are playing is stacked against you because the bad guys, whomever they may be, do not have to follow the same rules. Right. So I, while I think that, while I think that it's often easy, at least in our field, for people to demonize law enforcement as a faceless entity rather than a group of human beings, I do completely believe that this is a uh, horrible technology. I I don't see a lot of cases of it being successful. The ACLU has tried their best to make a map of all the police areas that are using this, mm-hmm. uh, but they still they had to say that this map is incomplete. This is, I believe, uh, very very close to a, a kind of Pandora's box because, as we know, the price of technology mm-hmm. continually decreases. Right? Yeah. So what happens when it's a stingray is the price of a PS4? Well, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it's it's being made in such limited amounts. I mean, there, you have to have the demand there and you yeah. have to have – I would imagine there will also be laws that will limit the use of this because you have the giant phone companies that will lobby very hard. They don't want the ability for someone to spoof a cell phone tower to fall into the hands of an average citizen. That's true. That their, their business depends upon yeah. that not happening. Yeah, so. but you're not the average citizen. No, no, <laughs> so. I'm, I'm the future benevolent dictator <laughs> yeah. of the new world order. I think you need a tank. I think you need the. Uh, I think you I need, don't need a tank. That's Swanee on speed dial. <laughs> you just call it Swanee. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but they. Uh, yeah, this is this is fantastic, and uh, I really appreciate the opportunity to uh, let more people know about this. Yeah. And like I said, this technology has been around for a while. In fact, the Stingray stuff really started hitting headlines a couple of years ago, back in 2013. That's when it was really starting to get noticed. And keep in mind, it had been used more than a decade before that. So uh, it's it's good to be aware of it. It's good to ask these questions. And like I said, we may at some point come to a point where we are able to answer the questions I've been asking to a point where maybe I'd be like, okay, 
I understand that in the world we live in, the reality of the world we live in, that under these situations, this might be an acceptable use of the technology. Uh, it's just right now we haven't, we don't have those answers because of secrecy. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely something to be aware of. Uh, I, I don't want to be a fear monger or anything like that, but, um, it is important that you know about it because, I mean, it's it's out there. Whether you know or not, it is there. So it's mm-hmm. better to know. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Well, guys, thank you so much for joining the show. Obviously, you can find Matt and Ben's work at Stuff They Don't Want You to Know, mm-hmm. a show that I titled. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it's true. It's all true. Uh, you can also, uh, ladies and gentlemen, find uh, Jonathan on more than a few of our episodes. That's true yeah. as well. Yeah. Man, so much truth right now, you guys. Yeah. I, I have to it, say one thing. nice? <laughs> <laughs> yes. One thing uh, before we go, I just want to recommend to everyone, this is a little something that I'm going to start doing today, in fact, because of this conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, go, go down to your local magic shop. Buy as much flash paper as you possibly can and do all of your communications solely on that flash paper and just keep lots of lighters handy. Yeah. So essentially uh, tell people, you know, the message will not self-destruct, but you will yourself will need to destroy yes. the message once the, upon uh, receiving it. The and, power is yours. Yeah. And then all the all these problems are solved. I had a great time uh, hanging out in that van with you guys. That yeah, came out weird. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, guys, I'm sorry I took your case away from you. <laughs> it's okay. It's Kind of a jerk move. Uh, all right, guys. Well, if you have any suggestions for future episodes of Tech Stuff, whether it is a subject or a guest I should have on the show, maybe someone I should interview, anything like that, or just a comment on what we had to say here today, send me a message. The email is techstuff at howstuffworks.com. Or you can drop me a line on Twitter or Facebook or Tumblr at all three. I use the handle techstuffhsw. And I'll talk to you guys again really soon. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. 